Okay, so we're jumping right in. I hope you bought your Bibles. I hope you have it on your phone. I hope you pay attention. I hope you take notes um, <clears throat> because this is important. This stuff is important. I'm going to jump right in. We are going to do a little bit of review and then uh, we'll finish this up. So the time we spend on earth must be holy. We must be separate from tainted habits, from tainted lifestyles, and from the mindset of the world system. Why is, what is the reason why we need to live ourselves separate from the world system? We are in this world, we're not of this world. We need to be in the world because we need to touch other people who don't know Christ yet, but we are not gonna be effective touching other people's lives if we're living just like everybody else in the world. That's common sense, right? In other words, what do I need to become something like you if you're no better than me? Or if you're acting and living and conducting yourself the same way that everybody else is, then why, why do I need to bother? Okay, let me go through this real quick. Again, please pay attention to the scriptures. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. For what reason? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you getting this? Verse 10 goes on to say, who once were not a people. In other words, we, did, we weren't even a real person before we got born again. We were just creatures on the earth, okay? We become a person. We become someone in the sight of God when our spirit comes alive unto God. Who once were not a people, but now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. Isn't that interesting? We go around, we say, well, I've received salvation. Now, according to this scripture, with salvation came mercy. And I wonder if it's not the mercy first and then the salvation. Because that's what we need from God. Amen? Amen. So, so what is God concerned about? Why do we need to be concerned about how we live our life before the world? Okay? Verse 11 of the same, of the same portion of Scripture. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners. Now, don't let that word scare you. I'm going to go over that again. As sojourners and pilgrims, abstain, abstain, Abstain. Does it, what does abstain mean? Stay away. Stay away from. Don't partake of. Don't let it get a hold of you. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Now, this is written to Christians. Yes or no? Yes. So that, what, what is it telling us? Even though we're born again, even though we're going to heaven, even though our spirit is alive unto God, even though the Holy Spirit is in us and has sealed us for salvation, we're still subject to, to lust of the flesh. We're still subject to temptation. Amen. Amen? And I think it's important that we note that, not that we want to emphasize the lusts, but we need to know because some people, I, I think sometimes we conduct ourselves, well, I'm born again, uh, that's it, and, and, and you know, whatever happens, happens, I'm going to heaven. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Amen? Amen. All right. So, abstain from fl fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. War against what? Soul. The soul, not the spirit. <clears throat> Right? Your spirit is sealed. Your spirit has been made perfect in Christ. Amen? Amen? But the war is against the soul. The soul is the thing that's going to trip us up every time. The soul is going to want our flesh to join with it <coughs> and not with our spirit until we train our souls and we can train our souls. Jesus said we're to possess our souls. We're not to let our soul just get run rampant. Oh man, we're gonna get, all right, we gotta spend a couple of minutes here. You, you can't let your soul just be exposed to just anything because your soul is like, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, let me see it, let me see it, let me hear it, let me taste it. And not everything is good for us. And yet, so many Christians, of course, probably nobody in here, but so many Christians, they let their soul be exposed to everything and anything. You can't, look, I love to watch movies and stuff and things of that nature if they're done well, but we need to be careful of what we expose ourselves to. Okay, you, you, you watch, I, re I remember years and years ago when I got to do this quick, I was involved in a situation where I was part of a team that was assigned to a particular young lady who was demon-possessed. Not just demonized, demon-possessed with different... I mean, she had a whole variety of voices, a whole variety of facial contortions. I saw supernatural stuff in the deliverance of this young lady that was like, whoa, I, I thought this was only in the movies, okay? And so, so after she got set free, uh, and, and sometimes that happens in stages, okay? She got set free, she got born again, she, she, 
she was coming to church, she's receiving the word, but then she started having problems and issues again. They started to come back. The voices started to come back. The manifestations started to come back because these things are real, okay? So she asked for this team, there was about four or five of us, to come to the house, come to her house, um, to pray over her house because this is where she was having the manifestation. So I'll never forget, we went there, we're praying, and then she said, uh, we all went uh, towards her, her room, and um, of course, you know, uh, there was two guys, three women, it wasn't like, you know, I was putting myself in, in this position. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Okay. So, so we go in her room to pray, and my attention keeps drawing to, what's the room next door? Uh, that's my roommate's room. Another, another young lady. Uh, yeah. You know who it is. Okay. So, so what's this room next door? That's my roommate's room. And now everybody's praying. We're praying. We're praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. And I keep getting this. The problem's not here. The problem is there. The problem's not here. The problem's next door. So I said, is your roommate home? No. Do you, can we go in there and pray? Open up the door. And this woman had a library of VHS tapes Every one of them was more dark than the next. Horror, murder, all kinds of... And I go, do you wonder why you're still getting this stuff? You, you need to... We prayed, Lord, uh, either this person's going to change or you remove her. Yeah. So, well, that sounds harsh. When you're in a life and death situation, listen, either the devil goes or the person who's entertaining the devil goes. You got it? What happened? That person was exposing their soul to so much darkness that it, was, it allowed a stronghold first to be built, then allowed demonic possession to come in. You getting this? Oh, I don't know if I believe that. Okay. All right, so abstain from fleshly lusts. I got that one. Which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among who? Oh, you don't have it up there, so it's not fair to you. <laughs> Verse 12 says, having your conduct honorable among the who? Gentiles. Who's a Gentile? No, you're not. See, you're thinking of the worldly. No, Gentile means a person without God. Being a non-Jew and being a person without God is two different things. Okay? Now, I know in the modern vernacular... Even the Jewish community calls us Gentiles. But in the purest form, we're not Gentiles. A Gentile, you used to be a Gentile when you were without Christ and without hope, being alienated from the promises of God that he made to Israel. But now, we're the people of God just like the chosen people of God. You got this? So what is it saying? Having your conduct honorable among who? The people who don't yet know God. That's who we need to be concerned about. Why? Because those are the people that we're going to affect one way or the other. Yes. We're either going to affect them where we're going to draw them to Christ or we're going to repulse them with our hypocrisy. Amen. Aren't you glad you came out on a Wednesday night? Yes. Okay. So you're getting this? Yes. All right. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. The day of visitation. What's the day of visitation? The day of visitation is the day when the Holy Spirit reveals to you who Christ is and you have the opportunity now to change your life, to turn around, to, to, to receive Christ. You see, because what happens is this. Sometimes a person will come to that day of visitation, but the enemy will go, you don't want to receive Christ because you know that person that works in your office who claims to be a Christian and they're messing around with everybody there. Okay, you don't want to be like that person. And what happens? They miss out on that day of visitation. You and I have a responsibility to live our lives soberly, righteously, godly in this present age as we await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Because listen, I don't want to go to heaven and Jesus tell me, you know how many people would have came to in the kingdom of God if they didn't see you do this, do that, say this, do that? You hear what I'm saying? Oh, well, Jesus would never hold it against me. All right, well, let me know when you get there. <laughs> the word sojourner 
is a word that means temporary residence. So all of this is about us being on this earth in a temporary time period. It's temporary. Our, our, our life here on earth is temporary. We're just passing through. Amen. You getting this? We're just passing through. Now listen, nobody, nobody is not passing through. Every person that's ever been born, every person that's ever been conceived is passing through. Now, the thing that we need to be concerned about is that we're passing through to where? Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to heaven because we received Christ, not because we're good people, not because we uh, you know, lived a perfect life, but, but we're passing, everybody's passing into eternity somewhere. No one ceases to exist. No one. Are you listening to me? Every person lives forever. You say, and we say this sometimes. We know I received everlasting life. Everyone has everlasting life someplace. It's, if you really, we're going to be accurate about it. It's either everlasting life or everlasting death. Do you understand that? Everybody's heading somewhere. Nobody, poof, ceases to exist. Okay, the people in hell wish that doctrine, that teaching was true. Okay, there is no such thing. I don't know why I feel like I need to share this. There's no such thing as a doctrine of alienation. Okay, where you just, you cease to exist. That is not true. That's not accurate. It's a demonic teaching. Okay, everyone lives forever someplace. You getting this? So now, now, if that's true, and we know it is, are we taking responsibility for those that are around us that we know don't know Christ yet? Are we taking responsibility? Are we doing everything we can? Are we living right in front of other people? And I don't mean acting. I don't mean acting. You know, everybody, everyone in the Christian, every Christian in their life at some point is going to hear, well, is that how a Christian acts? Somebody said that to me one time, and I said, I don't know. I didn't go to acting school. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. We've got to move quick. Do not, be, uh, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Listen, we're going to have to do this teaching more in the new year, okay? So let's just do it now. We're going to go back and do it again because I'm getting out of breath here trying to rush, okay? <laughs> do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It's not saying do not talk to unbelievers. Do not associate with unbelievers. Do not, but, but oh man, do we want to do this? Pastor, uh, I'm in love with this person. Uh, she's not a believer or he's not a believer, but I know I'm going to win them over. You are out of your mind. You just signed up for hell. Don't do it. Because that's not a foundation you want to start out on. Now, well, what about the people that, look, I wasn't born again. My wife were not born again when we, when we first got married. Okay? Thank God he knew what he was doing. I got saved first. She watched me for a year and a half to make sure her husband was on another one of her crazy fads, okay? And then she came into the kingdom, okay? She came in. She got born again, spirit-filled, the whole bit, okay? But we're not guaranteed that's going to happen. And there are some of you that are sitting here tonight who your spouse is not born again. Some of you, it doesn't really make it, uh, it doesn't have an effect on you. But we have seen, and I've seen in 37 years of being a Christian, wives whose lives were made absolute hell because her husband did not want them serving Jesus, did not want them going to church, did not want them reading the Bible, all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? And vice versa, too. I've seen it both ways. Okay? That's what that's talking about. Don't hook yourself up to somebody in a covenant relationship that is not going to go the same way you're going. You're going to be, it's going to be hell on earth. Okay, so those of you that are dating, those of you, 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 first question, are you saved? What does that mean? All right, then this is just a friendship thing for now. And nothing wrong with you, giving them the gospel, uh, sharing Jesus with them, whatever it is, and see where it goes. But if there's opposition, flee. Flee. Okay? Um, partnerships. You don't go into a business partnership with a person who's a non-believer. Why? They will make life hell for you, and it will probably cost you your business and your livelihood. 
Why? Because you're doing it for one thing. They're doing it for another thing. You're doing it because you know that the Bible tells us that we're to work so that we have something to give to those who don't have. We work, we glorify God in our careers and our jobs and our businesses. We pay our tithes out of our living. And a non-believer most times is not going to be wanting to do that. So what are you going to do? There's always going to be friction. There's always going to be conflict. It's going to be like a two-headed monster. Okay? So you don't, go into, you don't go into a business relationship, a contract, a covenant with an unbeliever. You're going to, you're sitting here to me looking like I'm talking. Uh, this is important. You're going to save yourself much grief. But I love them so much. Honey, love is a decision. And if you honor God, he'll bring somebody else across your path that you'll be able to glorify God in that relationship. Amen. Okay, so just say this after me. Thank you, Pastor, Thank you, Pastor for, teaching for teaching me the truth, whether I agree with it or not, and whether I like it or not. Hallelujah. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Because your righteousness and that person, unfortunately, knowing or not, is in lawlessness, okay? What communion has light with darkness? Communion, koinonia, fellowship. What communion has light with darkness? You're in the, if you're a believer, you're in the light. That person who's a non-believer, unfortunately, is still in the darkness. It doesn't mean they're an axe murderer or a serial killer. It means they have not come to that place yet of recognizing their need for Christ. And so they're in the kingdom of darkness, okay? You getting this? All right, so let me move down to verse 17. Therefore, no, nah, I can't. All right, uh, verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Who's the temple of God? A few people over here know that. Who is the temple of God? Who lives in you? Okay, good. So what, what, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, because I will dwell in them and I will walk among them, because I will be their God and they should be my people, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You should be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Okay? Now, this does not mean, oh, we have it up there? Good. This does not mean that if you don't, this, this is not talking about salvation. We know this is not talking about salvation because salvation, we are saved by faith, by grace through faith. Okay? It's not something you do to receive salvation. Yes or no? But this is telling us it's something we do. So this takes, so this command here is for those of us that are already born again, and want to grow in the things of God. This is talking about spiritual growth. It's saying, okay, you're born again now. Your spirit's alive unto me. You received my grace. You're going to heaven. But while you're on the earth, be separate. Come out from among them. And then I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You should be my sons and daughters. We talked about this extensively last week. That word for sons is not the word for an infant or a toddler. It's the word for a full-grown, mature adult. You getting this? So in order to become a full-grown, mature adult spiritually, you got to come out from among them. You can't touch the unclean thing. You got to live yourself. You got to keep, you got to keep yourself separate. Are you listening to me? It's called holiness. Okay. Real quick, let me just give this illustration real quick. When, back in the Old Testament, when they, when they created all the vessels that were needed for the temple, things to, for the animal sacrifices, the Bible tells us that every single article in that temple had to be stamped holy unto the Lord. You didn't use it for unclean things. How many remember the story in the Bible when, when the people of God, when, when Jerusalem was destroyed, people were deported to Babylon. They were there for at least 70 years, okay? And at one point in time, one of the kings decided to throw a party. And how many of you remember the handwriting on the wall? How many remember that? Well, you know why that happened that night? You know why he came under judgment? Do you know what they were using to have their party? They were using all the cups and vessels from the temple of God partying. 
wine, drink, all kinds of stuff, orgies going on, all of this stuff going on while they're using the, te- the things of God that were stamped holy unto the Lord. You are the vessel of God. You are stamped holy unto the Lord, separate unto him, holy unto God. You listening to me? You can't use these vessels for ungodly things without attracting some type of a consequence. Doesn't mean you're going to go to hell, but it may mean that you're going to live like hell here on earth while you're here. What, would God do that to me? No, no, the issue is not God. The issue is not God. There's no problem between us and God. Anything you're going to do, he's already forgiven. But that's not the only entity you need to be concerned about. You have an enemy who's always looking for a reason to attack you. And when you do those kind of things, we open the door for the devil to come in and attack us in our minds, in our souls, guilt and condemnation, shame. You listening to me? Sometimes sickness and disease, sometimes financial disaster, sometimes broken relationships. You listening? All right. I'm teaching good tonight. All right. All right, I talked about that, talked about that. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, this, this to me now opens this up. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Excuse me, I did a lot of talking today. I recorded a message today. Um, my throat's a little dry. Now watch this now. Knowing what we just, know, knowing what we just covered, knowing that if I want, to, I want to grow spiritually in the things of God, I'm going to have to separate myself from some things. Yes or no? Yes. Got it? Yes. Who's going to do the cleansing? Thank you. Who's going to do the cleansing? We are. Oh, if God wants me to... No, no. You have to do the cleansing. Watch this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, someday I'll teach on the cloud of witnesses, can't do it tonight. Let us lay aside. Say it with me again. Let us lay aside. Go like this, go like this. Let us lay aside. Did everybody do it? Let's do it again, because I don't think everybody did it. Let us lay aside. You didn't do it. Let us lay aside, okay? What are we laying aside? Every weight... And the sin, which so what? Easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How am I going to run with endurance if I got a weight on me? How am I going to? I'm lucky if I can crawl. How am I going to run my race if I have weights and I have sin that's entangling me? And I can't, I can't walk. I can't move further. I can't, why? Because I got this stuff... Are you getting this? All right, we got that? Now, how are we going to do this? Verse 2. What does it say? Looking unto who? Looking unto Jesus, the author, in other words, the initiator, and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured what? The cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You're not going to be able to cleanse yourself in your own power. You recognize what's, what you're carrying. You rec- now, there's a big difference between weights and sin. Oh, man. Um, a weight can be an emotional baggage. A weight can be a trauma that you suffered. A weight can be uh, maybe the household you grew up in was extremely dysfunctional, whatever. Child molestation, whatever went on, crazy. Those are you, that wasn't your sin. That was something that happened to you. But it's a weight. And it controls our lives sometimes until we get free from it, until we get healed in those areas. It can affect our health. It can affect everything. Effect, definitely affect relationships, okay? So, so now weights, if they're not dealt with, will almost always lead us to sin because we're trying to get relief from under this thing, but we're not looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. You catching this? I still haven't even gotten to the scripture for this series. <laughs> Holiness is our responsibility. In order to make progress in this direction of spiritual growth, we 
requires us to distance ourselves from sin, okay? Now let's go to the foundational scripture that I should have got to three weeks ago. Romans chapter six, verse one, I'm gonna read to you from the New American Standard Bible. We're gonna have it up there? Good. Paul's writing to the church at Rome. Paul's writing about this sin condition. He's writing to Christians. He's not writing to unbelievers. He's not writing to what we would call, what the Bible would call sinners. He's writing to Christians so that we can separate ourselves more and more from sin, so that we can glorify God more and more with our lives, with our bodies, and that we can disconnect ourselves more and more from sin. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Because the answer to sin is not punishment. The answer to sin is grace. Grace neutralizes sin, okay? But what, so then say, well, I want more grace, so let me sin more. That's what people are saying. Let me sin more because you know, I want more grace because when I sin, God's grace shows up. That's, what he, that's why he's saying, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Far from it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? We died to sin? Yeah, give me some time. We'll see it. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? That's not water baptism. That's when you got born again. You got, we could say it this way, it'd be better. When we got born again, we were immersed into Christ. Right? We've been immersed into Christ. All right? So we're one with him. Verse four, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism. Now, I know we're talking about water baptism now. Into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Newness of life. Listen to me, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but let me do it. Uh, Newness of life is not automatic. I, I realized that I got born again on... April the 25th, 1984, on a Wednesday night, 9.30. I woke up the next morning. I was still a jerk. You did too. My jerkness, my stupidities, my, all of that stuff was still there. My spirit got, now, I was wowed. I was awed because I realized a million pounds had been lifted from my shoulders. The next morning when I got born again, I believe I probably saw the color of the grass the first time. Trees looked different. The sky looked different. Everything, why? Because my spirit's alive unto God now. But I was still an idiot. I was still doing stupid things. I would still sin. I would still, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Just like you. All right? But now I'm, I'm on the way towards getting less of a jerk and being less of an idiot. And you see what I'm saying? Okay? Newness of life. Verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, and if you don't know this, you're going to continue living the old life. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for the one who has died is free from sin. How many have ever gone to a wake, a viewing, a funeral, okay, uh, where there's an open casket? Do you know you can talk to that person all you want? They can't sin anymore. You can go up to that coffee. You're a jerk. You're an idiot. I hated you. I never liked you. You were cheap. You were miserable. You were, they just. I mean, it sounds obvious, right? But that's the state that we're supposed to be in. We're dead to sin. Now, our spirit knows that. The Holy Ghost knows that. The devil even knows that. But if the devil can prompt you to come back to life, you getting this? But 
you're to consider yourself as if I'm dead to sin. So think about this little side journey. If you're dead to these things, then how do we get offended? Because that guy in the box, he don't care what you do. You could draw little things on his face. You could dress him up funny. He can't respond. He just keeps... You getting this? But, but you see, we're too alive. The more alive we are to ourselves, the more problems we're going to be to everybody around us. Are you, are you catching this? Are you understanding here? Is that me? No, not ringing. So turn a little... That's not me. And whoever that is, either turn your hearing aid up or shut the phone off. That's not me. Oh, the click, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just wasted time. Okay, so where were we? Now, if, we've, if verse 8, verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now we're talking resurrection. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11 is extremely important. So you too consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider yourself. King James says reckon, which is a word that we don't really use that much today. Reckon, consider. It's almost like an accounting term. Put, in other words, put this sin in the category that it belongs in. Count it as if you're dead to it. You gotta consider that. So how do I do this? When temptation comes, you've gotta remind yourself, um, there was a time I would have felt for this like this, but you know what? I'm not alive to that anymore. I'm dead to that. I'm dead. Look at it this way. I'm not endorsing this conduct, but many times when people have arguments in relationships, how many times have you heard a person say, they're dead to me? Now, are they really dead? No, they're alive. But what is the person saying? I'm cutting that off. I am never again going to allow them to affect my life. Amen. That's, the, that's the exact idea here. I'm going to consider, sin, you're dead to me. I'm not talking to you. I'm not interacting with you. We're not hanging out together. No, you're not going to entice me. Don't try to come make up. Don't try to ask for, don't try to reestablish yourself. You are dead to me. Or, or we would do this way. You're dead to me. You got it? Verse 12, that's going to back that up. Therefore, sin is not to reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. So obviously, as Christians, we can still be affected by sin. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to be aware. We've got to be alert. We've got to be sober-minded. We've got to be able to recognize it. And listen to me. We're not going to get away with, well, well Father, I, it just snuck up on me. I wasn't looking for it. And all of a sudden, here I am in the middle of it. No, that doesn't work doesn't work. See, because you got the Holy Spirit inside you. You got away with that before you were born again. And it really didn't matter because we sinned anyway. Because you're a sinner. At that point, you're a sinner. Okay? No matter what you do, you're still a sinner. But when you're born again now, you're righteous unto God, but you can still sin if you choose to. When you were a sinner, you could still do good things, but it's powerless to get you to heaven or to get you born again. You're born again, you could still sin, but it's powerless to put you in hell. Because you didn't get there by what you did. You see, you didn't get to heaven by what you did. You can't lose it by what you did. Oh, good, then I can go out tonight and party. That's not what it's the purpose for. The purpose is so that you can live your life not constantly getting into guilt and condemnation. I missed it again, I missed it again. 
miss it again. So you're going to waste a day or two, a week. I'm no good. God can't use me. God's saying, okay, look, I knew you were going to do this before Jesus went to the cross. I knew this. Now, now, don't take what I'm saying and run with it. Well, then I can do whatever I want, sin anytime I want, act any way I want, say anything I want, drink whatever I want, shoot whatever. You, you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't work that way. We're supposed to be cleansing ourselves from all of this stuff. I'm going to have to teach this again in the future. All right, let's see. Oh, we got some time. All right, let's go back. Verse 12. Therefore, do not, therefore, sin is not to reign in your mortal body so that you obey it. Well, you're going to obey somebody. You're either going to obey the prompting of your spirit, which is being pulled by the Holy Spirit, or you're going to obey the promptings of sin that are pulling on your flesh. One way or the other, we're going to obey somebody. So, so maybe we should make it a habit of when the temptation comes, either I'm seeing something, I'm hearing something, something is affecting my senses to pull me in that direction. Maybe, I should see, maybe what we should do is see ourselves at a fork in the road and say, yeah, I can go this way and I can sin, but I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather please him. I would rather not interrupt my God inside mindedness. I would, like to, uh, I would like to maintain my sense and awareness of my righteousness. Are you catching this? How many know when you've lost your sense? I didn't say that God took it away. How many, how many would be honest and say, I know what it's like to lose my awareness and my sense of my robe of righteousness? Okay. Verse 13, and do not go on presenting the parts of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. So obviously, as Christians, we can, if we want to, still present ourselves as instruments of unrighteousness. We can present our bodies to get involved in sin. I'm not saying we should do it, but if you want to, you can. Why? Because God winks at it? No, because God gave you free will. Your free will and my free will did not stop when I said, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior. So don't go on presenting the parts of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your body's parts as instruments of righteousness for God. Verse 14, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. It's a lot of scripture to digest, a lot. Let me go through this. Number one, this is all based on those scriptures. Sin is bondage. Slavery, it's slavery. And Jesus paid for and neutralized it with his death, his burial, and resurrection. Sin only has the power that we allow it to have. It is not God's will for anyone to continue in it. It's not God's will. We went through that, verses one through four. I I can't read it again. Write it down for yourself. Newness of life is the reality that you're born again, okay? When our spirit is alive unto God, it now has the power to resist sin, but we've got to walk in it. It is not automatic. There is no switch in you that you could turn it on, and from that point, you're not going to sin. It's not, you have got to, on a regular basis, continuously, Be aware of what you're thinking. Be aware of where you're at. Be aware of what you're saying. Be aware of who you're hanging out with, okay? And and I feel like every time I mention that thing about who you're hanging out with, there's a chill that comes into the atmosphere. Like, like, don't tell me who to hang out with. I'm not telling you who to hang out with. I'm telling you who not to be spiritually connected with. Again, we can't affect the world if we say, You know, I'll use this as an example. I don't know a lot about it. I know a little bit about it. But, you know, these communities like the Amish who keep themselves separate from the world. Who's running to get born again to become Amish? The only way that culture continues is through reproduction. That's it. They don't affect the world, except maybe with pony rides or what do you call it, cart rides or their jellies, their jams, their baked goods. 
But as far as spiritually, now, let's face it, every once in a while, one of them is going to jump ship and they're going to, you know, when, even in Bible school, we went to school with some people who came from Amish backgrounds. But they had to leave the community in order to affect outside the community. We can't live that way. It's not God's desire for us to live like that. Okay? Uh, look at the community right next door to us. Okay? Um, I, I, I'm sure every once in a while there's somebody that converts and, and becomes an Orthodox uh, Hasidic person, but for the most part, it's not an open community. Okay? I don't know that there's evangelists that go around and try to recruit non-Jewish people. It's just, hey, you're, you're you and we're us. That's not God's will. God's will was to use the Jewish people to, to make the rest of the world jealous that they would want the same God, that we would want the same God that they had. Okay? So what I'm saying, when I talk about this, when the, not even when I talk, when the scriptures talk about don't be unequally yoked, come out from among them, it's not saying hate everybody. It's not saying don't associate with anyone. But listen, you're supposed to get on them. They're not supposed to get on you. You're still not getting it. No, because our society has done a great job and the devil has done a great job thinking, well, you're a hater. No, I love that person and that's why I want Jesus to get on them because I love, if I hate the person, I'll ignore them. If I hate the person, I'll let them continue living in sin. If I hate the person, I'll say, hey, you're on your own. You catching this? I hope you are. So, where was I? Newness of life, robe of righteousness, okay? Um, newness of life is the reality that you're walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. When you're, when you're walking in the awareness of your right standing with God, it's proof, it's evidence that you're walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. You feel it. You sense it. You know it. You know when you're walking in the spirit and you know when you're walking in your flesh. You know when you're doing something out of the right, pure motives of, of God's heart Amen. versus you doing something that's a self-serving agenda is either going to bring attention to yourself, put something in your pocket, or satisfy some kind of a, of, of a desire. Amen. You know the difference. Let's not fool each other, okay? That's newness of life, okay? Uh, we got to allow the Word of God to keep us aware of who we are now. Say now. Now. The word of God will always remind you of who you are now. The voice of the enemy will always remind you of who you used to be. Amen. And that voice is very loud. Okay? Uh, we've, the word, well, we had to renew our minds so we'll always focus on, on, on who we are now. Because focusing on the old self, the past, is a useless waste of time. When Brother Joe McGee was here a few weekends ago, he said... It, you're wasting your time if you spend time in the past. Why? Because we don't have a time machine that, and we can't go back and change it. The best thing to do is bury it and move forward. Amen. Bury it. When the devil comes and reminds you what you used to be like, you're right, you're right, but that guy's in a cemetery. He's dead. I don't know why you're talking about him because that's not me anymore. You have, to, you have to say these things. You can't just... He'll attack you. You have to say those things. Devil, you have no right in my life. Devil, sin will not have dominion over me. Devil, I'm, not, I'm dead to that temptation. Now, your insides might be going, go for it, go for it, go for it. But you have got to say. Why? Because you do not acquire what you want by saying what you have. You acquire what you want by saying where you want to go. You listening? Words are powerful. I don't want to get off on this. Words are powerful. You can't just, well, I'm just, I'm just not going to pay attention to it. You're going to get steamrolled. Because the voices, the, the, the messages are still going to keep coming to your mind. And if you don't speak against them, your mind then, that's how you're exposing your soul to folly. You're exposing your soul to foolishness because you have a weapon in your hand and you're not using it. Use that weapon. Use your sword. It's not there for decoration. It's there to be used. It's, it's not, what is it? Not decoration. It's, it's practical. <laughs> I was looking for another word. I can't think, but I don't want to waste any more time. Okay? Your sword should not be a decoration. Oh, shiny. Look how beautiful that sword is. 
No, your sword should be banged up, dinged, dented, uh, corroded. It needs to be well used. I'm on my fourth or fifth Bible right now. I found my first Bible. See, every once in a while it'll turn up because I have it put away. I found my first Bible. It's all put together with rubber bands. Why? Because it just fell apart, just fell apart. Went from constant just... That's my sword. That, to me, is a trophy. Not, not, look at my brand new Bible. When'd you get it? 20 years ago. Brand new, still got the plastic on it. It's not a Bible, that's a decoration. That's a knick-knack. It's a coaster. Number two. Oh, we got a bunch to go yet. The way... To unite, to be united with Jesus is to believe that he took your sins to the cross at Calvary. Your sin nature is going to say, I can't help but sin. Because that's the nature you used to have. But that nature was crucified with Christ. So that you wouldn't be a slave any longer. Okay? Because you're still tempted and because you can still sin does not mean that you are a sinner. Well, if I'm sinning, Aren't I a sinner? No. You can have the nature of God and still be tempted to sin and occasionally fall into sin. Now, fall, not throw yourself in. Fall. You're supposed to trip into sin. You're not supposed to go, hey, wait for me. I'm right here. You understand what I'm saying? You, you can have the nature of God in your spirit, but your soul still wants to sin. Because your soul remembers what that felt like. Are, are you catching this? But we need to constantly make ourselves and keep ourselves aware, I am united in Christ. He is in me, I am in him. Because the day's gonna come when that's gonna be a reality. We're gonna leave this physical body behind. Our soul, I pray, goes through some type of a filter. And so all the junk, it's like sucked out, and we come up on the other side like Jesus. Okay? You hear what I'm saying? I'm hoping that the rapture is that way. Come up on the other side, just gone through a filter. Just gone through a total filter like, yeah, this is what I wanted to feel like when I was down there. But it's not yet. So in the meantime, see, when we're in heaven, when we're with Jesus, when we're in eternity, we're not going to have to remind ourselves that we're in Christ. He's there. It's now that we got to remind ourselves we're in Christ. In, in, in eternity, we're not going to have temptations. There's no giants. There's no demons to fight. There's, none of, there's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no depression. There's no poverty. Those are all things that for here. We're not going to remember. We're gonna, what, mortgage? What's a house mortgage? Not going to have any of that pressure. But in the meantime, we've got to remind ourselves that's our true nature. This is not our true nature anymore. Our old self is our old self. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have. Behold. Are you learning anything tonight? Do you think we should go over this again someday? Okay, so the only way to die to sin is identify with Christ. I just really talked about that. When we're born again, we came alive spiritually in an instant. And even though we live on a planet where physical death is still a reality, the true spiritual reality is we live in Christ forever because our nature has been changed. Our nature has been changed. My nature, I'm not the same species I was before 1984. I morphed. Now I'm in the process of my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions being renewed day by day, day by day. Now that's a lifetime, but the born again experience is a split second, split second. Your spirit came alive. As soon as he said, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe in you. I trust you. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You died for my sins. You rose again from the dead. Your spirit goes, this comes alive. Comes alive. Now it's the everyday process. 
Because I'm, because I'm alive in Christ, I'm aware of things that were, I wasn't aware of before. Because I'm alive in Christ and got the Holy Spirit in me, I'm aware of things I was not aware of before. Before, I just sinned. Everything I did was sin. Didn't matter what I did. Even the good things I did didn't matter because I'm a sinner. I'm unchanged. I'm unrenewed. But I've been redeemed. You've been redeemed. Your spirit man has come alive unto God. You are not the same creature you were before that. But you've got to keep reminding yourself of that. Why? Because we're surrounded by everything that's trying to keep us out of that reality. Everything we have, everything that we're exposed to, for the most part, in our everyday life, is trying to fulfill the purpose of keeping you out of your spirit, man, and keeping you very much alive in your flesh. That's why you can be watching all kinds of secular stupidity and then you, you're clicking and you come across a Christian network where somebody's actually teaching the truth and all of a sudden, this on the inside is like, I want that. I want that. I want that. I need to listen. Your soul's going, yeah, but you know, it was just a commercial and now the rest of the story's going on. Go back, go back, go back. No, I want that. I want that. I want, why? Because it's appealing to your spirit, man. So then your soul has got to be trained by you with your words, shut up. That's not going to give you what you need. This, your spirit being fed is going to give me what I need. You listening to me? God's not going to do that for you. God's not going to do it for you. We've got to do it. In fact, we wouldn't want it any other way. Because when we then step into the victory that we're looking for, we have the honor and the privilege of knowing, wow, we did this together. I cooperated with you. You cooperated with me. You filled me with your grace. You empowered me. You made me alert to the danger that I'm facing. I resisted it. And now I come up on the other side, and I am so aware of my right standing. I'm so aware. Man, I got the robe of righteousness and it feels so good. We want that. Our spirit desires that. And really, the parts of our soul that have been exposed to the gospel, the parts of our soul that have been trained by the word of God, that wants it too. I'm just going to throw this out at you because it's obvious. We're going to have to pick this up again in the future. Your victory over sin, listen to this, proceeds, originates, and comes forth from Calvary. It comes from the cross. It comes from Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's where our victory comes. Remember verse 9, verse 9 we read, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too, here it is, consider yourselves dead to sin. But, but what? Alive unto God. I'm alive unto God. I'm alive unto God. I'm alive unto God. When I, when I first got saved and I was still smoking, okay, and I knew that the Holy Spirit was convicting me. You got to get rid of this habit. Got to get rid of this habit. Got to get rid of this habit. I'd be driving down the street, throw the cigarette out the window, throw the whole pack out the window, <laughs> stop at the next 7-Eleven, buy another pack of cigarettes. <laughs> and, but, but, I, but thank God I was in a church that trained me. And, and this you say, well, that sounds hypocritical. No, no, no. I was making my, as soon as I was done, threw the cigarette out the window, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My righteousness was not affected by this. And as far as I'm concerned, as far as my father is concerned, I'm still as righteous as I was before I was puffing on that cigarette. You, you listening to me? How else are you going to overcome sin? Because, you man, I'm a sinner. Man, I can't believe. Man, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did it again. That's not going to change your path. That's going to reinforce your path. You listening to me? We call those things that are not as though they are. Not the things that are as though they are. You just reinforce it. 
You just reinforce it. We change things with the power of our words. You went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light through the power of your words. God honored what you said by faith from your heart, and it changed everything. It's the same thing throughout life, okay? If you're having financial difficulty, if you've been living a life of poverty up to this time, you're not going to change up by you going, I'm always broke, I'm always broke, nothing ever works out for me. As soon as I get ahead, something else happens. My family's been broke, my grandfather was broke, everybody was poor, I'm going to be poor. What are you going to do? You're going to be poor. But what do you want me to do? You start speaking what God says. He, he delights in the prosperity of his servants. But pastor, I'm struggling. I can't even go buy a pound of butter. So what are you going to do? Are you going to just keep confessing? Well, I can't, go buy, I can't even afford to buy a pound of butter. No, 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 I have prosperity. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. My prosperity is in him. My prosperity is not in me. It's him. It's supernatural. You listen to it, and trust me, if there's one area I know about talking about, it's this. Because I know what it's like to be completely broke, busted, bankrupt, and I know what it's like to have abundance. You listening to me? It didn't get there. I, I couldn't work enough jobs to get out of the hole that I was in. I couldn't live long enough to repair the damage I did in bankruptcy. Because no, I didn't have enough years left. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have had enough years left. Impossible. So then I just turned it over to the Lord. Okay, if I'm going to prosper, it's going to be because of you. I'd rather have your prosperity. I'd rather have your resources. Now watch this now. I understood that I was in covenant with God Almighty who possesses everything in heaven and earth. I, I was very much aware that I was in covenant relationship with the one who owned the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold and all the silver is his. And then he said, and I've given all this to man. The heavens are God's. The earth he's given unto man. You listening to me? I could tell you stories about restored prosperity that would make you think he's lying. Supernatural stuff. Won't do it. No. When I retire, I'll write a book. That won't be for a long time. But listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about when it comes to speaking healing over your body. I know when it comes to speaking over your finances. I know what I'm talking about. It's words. It's words. It's words. I know what you're saying, Sandy, but sometimes it's not. It's the power of words. Because there are people that will pray wrong and pray for wrong things and pray for wrong reasons. Not going to work. God honors words, words. When you start saying what he said he's going to do for you, then he'll do what he said he's going to do for you. Because why? Why is it that he, he, God's not a control freak. He just wants you to participate with him so that you have the thrill, the honor, that, that sense of, wow, that sense of purpose that you actually cooperated with God, he cooperated with you, and the situation got resolved. That is an amazing feeling. That is an amazing feeling. So the same thing with sin. How are you going to resist sin? Because sin, the battlefield for sin is in your mind. You're getting bombarded. We see things. We see things. I remember somebody teaching on TV. I forget who it was exactly who it was. It had a person in their church who had a ridiculous addiction to pornography. Ridiculous addiction to pornography. And, and, and the, the pastor said, I want you to do this. I'm not telling you to stop, but I want you, every time you fall, every time you're in front of that computer screen, every time you, you have fulfilled whatever your desire is, I want you to say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Fall again. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm righteous before God. Why? How are you going to turn that thing around? Oh, well, we'll put some controls on a computer. Are you kidding me? There's all kinds of loopholes. They do it on purpose so that a person who wants to get free can't get free. You get free by speaking the reality of who you are and reminding yourself and establishing that 
And so the devil hates that. The devil will love you. I'm nothing but a degenerate. I'm nothing but a creep. I'm nothing but a disgusting sinner. I'm nothing but a filthy. He loves that. And that's usually how your soul will react in that situation. How are you going to get set free? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm forgiven. I'm set free. I'm sanctified. I'm set apart by God. And what happens? You're conditioning your soul to no longer want that. Because it's not a spiritual. People say it's a spiritual. No. Your, spirit, your spirit's not addicted to pornography. Your soul's addicted to pornography. And eventually your body will follow through. Serious things tonight, huh? That's how we break the chains. I am the righteousness. So stand up, everybody. Let's say this together. I am, I am the, righteousness of God the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. He took my sin nature. He took my sin nature. God, put me in the nature of God put me in the nature of righteousness. I've been placed in that position. I didn't earn it. I can't lose it. I am the righteousness of God right now in Christ Jesus. Settled forever. Amen. That's it.